but a good morning, everybody. Good to see you all gathered this Sunday morning. You're all very welcome, be you here in person or online. Or listening later on in our CD ministry, you are all very welcome. And a special welcome on your behalf, uh, and welcome back to Mr. John Wilkinson. You're very welcome back, John, all the way from Dromore. I will not hold that against you, John. It's good to have you here. It's always good to have John with us to renew friendships. We enjoy his company uh, and his attitude uh, to worship and also your ministry, John. So thank you. And a big welcome to, to your wife, Hazel. You're both very welcome to First of Friday this morning. I just have a few announcements for your attention, and I won't keep you too long. Just to say that on Wednesday evening, uh, midweek Bible study recommences in the church hall at 8 p.m. And that will be led by Mr. Mark Emmett. Thursday evening, we'll see GB running back to normal again, or more or less normal, so GB back on Thursday. And as we prepare for Harvest Weekend next weekend, uh, just to say that the final choir practice and preparation for Harvest Thanksgiving will be on Thursday evening uh, next week at 7.30 p.m. here in the church. Help is also required uh, to decorate the church in preparation for harvest. Uh, if you have time and the skill and the ability to give a hand out at that, you can chat to either Beth Cheney or Marjorie Bell. Flowers and produce for harvest weekend to be left in the church on uh, this Friday the 30th from 2 p.m. onwards and decoration will commence thereafter. BB is also on Friday evening, and we're back to normal with BB as well. So please keep both BB and GB uh, in your prayers as they continue to get back into some form of normality again. Uh, as part of our Harvest Weekend celebrations, uh, there's going to be a men's breakfast on Saturday morning, next Saturday morning, that is, the 1st of October, and that's going to be from 10 a.m. onwards. The Reverend Kenny Hanna, who is the PTI Rural Chaplain, uh, will be here to say a word or two. And the proceeds uh, next Saturday morning following the breakfast will go towards uh, the Cornhill uh, Ministry fees. Uh, and also just to say that if you do plan to come to the breakfast, there's a sheet in the vestibule. It would be great if you men could add your name to that and it'd give the caterers a bit of an idea of how much they should uh, supplies you should buy in, etc. So there's a sheet in the vestibule, add your name to it, and also there's a little invitation sheet about this morning also. Take one of those uh, with you this morning and not only invite yourself, but invite uh, another friend to come with you. Then next Sunday morning uh, and next Sunday evening, our Harvest Thanksgiving uh, commences with our morning service being led by the Reverend David Allen, and at 7 p.m., our Harvest Thanksgiving service will be led and conducted by the Reverend uh, Colin Harris. And just to say, finally, in connection with the Harvest Appeal, this year, uh, the Harvest Appeal will be going towards the building fund. So these are all the announcements, and I now hand over to uh, John to carry to conduct the remaining part of the service. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Can I add uh, my welcome to that of David's this morning? It's good to see you out of worship this morning. Um, it's always good to return to Rocket Island on the hill and to renew acquaintances. Um, I was just noticing down here we're in that another, uh, there's another branch of the family uh, with us this morning and it's really good to see the young people here. I just wanted to make comment that whilst I'm here this morning, back in my own home congregation in First Dromore, um, one of your uh, members, well, she's not your member anymore, I have to say, she issued her, we received her disjunction certificate just uh, during the week. So Emma, Emma, Emma Boyd, Emma Slater, and Andrew are with us this morning, and they're getting their baby son, Archie, baptized. So we do wish them well and we'll pray for them later on in the service. So it's really, really good to be here with you this morning. Um, can I draw your attention to some words from Psalm 103? This is the word of God, reading from verse 1. Praise the Lord, O my soul. 
all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. And this is the God that we are coming here on this Sunday morning to worship. We don't come out of habit on a Sunday morning but we come because we have a gracious, compassionate, loving God and we want to give him thanks for everything that he has done for us. And so we're going to sing our opening hymn together, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. That's a wonderful hymn to start our service off this morning, recognizing the importance and the wonder of the God 
that were coming before in prayer just now. So let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with a glad heart. It's a glad heart because we know we have a Father in heaven who looks after us. And we recognize the immense privilege we have as we come to worship you this morning. We delight in you as our great God, as our immortal God, as our invisible God, as our only wise and true God. Indeed, you are eternal. Indeed, you are immortal. You exist outside of time. You are always present with us. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are from everlasting to everlasting, enduring throughout eternity. And Father God, we we too recognize and marvel that you are an invisible spirit, a spirit infinite and pure in all of your aspects. Your glory fills the heavens, and we marvel at how the angels and the archangels, the cherubims and the seraphims covered their faces before you because they could not apprehend your beauty. And they cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And this morning we do the same as we come before you. We cry out to you, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And this morning, Father God, we praise you too that you are a just God. So pure and faithful in all of your works and actions. And as a just God, you cannot look upon sin and all that is unrighteous. But Father God, we are so thankful for your abundant grace and mercy this morning. And as we still our hearts before you, we recognize that we fall so far short of your requirements. You have told us that the, that the answer to the question as to how we should worship you is that we should do what the Lord requires of us. We should act justly. We should love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. And when we measure ourselves against these characteristics, Father God, we fall so far short. We do not walk humbly with you. We raise ourselves up in front of you. We make ourselves big, as it were, before our fellow man. We do not look at our brothers and sisters in a merciful and loving manner. But we praise you Heavenly Father, that in the Lord Jesus Christ and through his death, he has redeemed us and presents us spotless to you this morning and clothes us in his own righteousness. So, Heavenly Father, as we do indeed worship you this morning, we lift you up high. You are the great Redeemer. You are our Savior. And with the hymn writer, we would lift our voices indeed and sing to you. We would shout aloud to you, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of his grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of your name. And this is why we are found here this morning, Heavenly Father, to worship you, to learn more about you. We acknowledge our inability to save ourselves. 
We need your grace. We humble ourselves before you now, lifting up our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray this morning. As always, amen. We'll continue our note of praise this morning as we lift our voices again and, and, and sing the hymn, Hark My Soul, It Is The Lord. Let us stand and sing. Isn't that what we plead for, isn't it? Oh, for grace to love thee more. Just a beautiful hymn of praise that we've just sung. Now, boys and girls, you're out there somewhere. Would you give me a wave? Can, would you wave to me? Let me see. Yeah, uh, yeah there's some there. Some at the back. Ah, yes. Some down there in the middle. Is that it? Are there any ups? Any waves up? Oh, yeah. Great. Really good to see you, boys and girls. Some of you probably know that um, I was a teacher. Now, don't hold that against me. Don't, I know you're all back to school again, but don't hold that against me. I taught geography. Well, I taught young people, but the subject I taught was geography. And I just loved looking at the world around me. The world... And one of the things that really got me the most, if we can have a, a photograph of it, were these. I just loved looking at these. And if I was out and about, I was really enjoyed getting out and getting into a waterfall. Did you ever do Maybe you, that's maybe not what I should be saying to you this morning, boys and girls. But I used to stand underneath waterfalls. And I was a wee bit older then. I maybe was out doing some uh, outdoor pursuits, but I would have got underneath the water. I loved the water falling all around me. Amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. Now, we're going to put up another photograph of a waterfall. What do you think of that waterfall? Yeah. Isn't that a waterfall? Would anyone like to hazard a guess? Ah. I, 
Johnny, I hope you didn't tell the answer. We'll come back to you in a wee minute. I want to see it. Does anybody else know the name of this waterfall? Oh, yeah, that pew's well represented over there. Just as a matter of interest, Granny, were you there? I hope it's Granny. I hope I'm right, like. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll not be getting an invitation back here again. Yeah, can you tell me? You had your hand up first. Niagara. You are right. Niagara Falls. That's exactly what that is a photograph of. And I was lucky enough to be there. And it sort of separates the USA from, from Canada. And there was this guy, you've maybe heard this story before, but this guy, he told the people that he could tight rope across that waterfall. And they, they wouldn't believe him at all. They wouldn't believe. So what did he do? He got a big, no, he got a big rope. It was a big rope. And there he is. And he walked across Niagara Falls. We called him Blondin. He walked across Niagara Falls. But he just didn't walk over it once. The history books tell us he walked over that waterfall about 300 times. Now, that's not something you or I would want to do. But then one day, he, he arrived and he had told the people that he was going to do it again. And he said to them, but, but this time I'm going to do it slightly what I'm going do you believe? And um, I'm going to do it pushing a wheelbarrow in front of me. So there he is. And he walked across Niagara Falls pushing the wheelbarrow in front of him. So he got to the other side and the people all clapped and roared and shouted and said, what a wonderful thing he did. And then he said to the people, now, I've done it this way. Now, I'm asking do you trust me to take you across in the wheelbarrow? And there wasn't a hand went up. There wasn't a hand went up. Now, later on, he did do it. He did. He did do it. And you know, boys, boys and girls, there's a, there's a story in the Bible which tells us about that. And I, I'm just going to read it to you now, just... Just to see, so you pay attention. When Jesus had entered a place called Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, my Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one to go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to this servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west and will take their place at the feast of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, boys and girls, Blondin, whenever he was going across Niagara Falls, at one stage the people believed that he could do it. And, and yes, he could, because they could see that he could do it. You know? But whenever he asked them, do you trust me to take you across in the wheelbarrow? There weren't too many put their hand up. But here we have an example of a man in the Bible, the centurion. And he not only believed in Jesus, but he trusted in Jesus. He trusted in him. Because when Jesus said to him, look, do you want me to go with you? He said, no, no, no. You just say the word and it'll, it'll happen. My servant who's ill at home will be made well. 
And do you know something, boys and girls? He was. He was made well. And so it's a bit like that with us. We not only believe in Jesus, but we trust in him. We put our whole trust in him. No matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what difficulties are out there, we trust in Jesus because he will see us through. Let us just pray for a moment or two, boys and girls. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for everything that you have done for us. We thank you for Jesus this morning and for the fact that he saves us from our sins. Help us not only to believe in Jesus, but to trust in him for every single thing. And it's in his name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. So just before you go out to children's church or Sunday school this morning, we're going to sing uh, your hymn together, I'm Special. be remiss of me not to say a big thank you to Robin and to Margaret for their assistance this morning. Um, I, I would be lost without them and uh, Margaret tactfully said to me, I'll treat you right to your individual rest. So thank, thanks very much. Just before we come um, to the sermon, uh, maybe could we just bow our heads just for a moment. Father God, we worship you this morning as our Lord and Master, as our King. We just come this morning and we want to thank you for your word. Lord, and as we open it up now, just we want to ask that you would open up our hearts and our ears to hear what's being said from your word. Lord, we thank you that it can be statement. We thank you that it can help us on our journey in life and give us direction in life. 
we thank you that it describes what's really who you are and what Jesus has done for us. And so as we continue to unpack your word this morning, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. didn't realize that it was your harvest next uh, weekend, and uh, I suppose the time when, the harvest time when, we thank God for all of his provision and what he has done for us. You know, I'm not much of a gardener, I suppose I can testify to that. I love to put in plants and see the flower flourishing in the, in the garden. But in order to do that, you have to make sure that you tend, you tend to them to enable them to grow well. But I'm sure you farmers who work the land will know that much better than I would. Because as you're growing, growing your crops to ensure growth, you make sure that you do the right thing and you do the thing right, as it were. Applying fertilizers and whatever else you have to do. I'm a tiny and I'm not too sure about all that stuff. But to ensure growth, we have to do things. Um, I just love seeing things coming up through the ground and the daffodils growing and the crocuses growing the birds singing and all that, that's just wonderful. You know, and uh, I suppose the farmers do perfume the air from time to time whenever they are applying their fertilizers around where I live. Um, but all of that's necessary to ensure growth by the providence of God. But this morning I want to spend just a, a little bit more time looking at spiritual growth, spiritual growth. And I want to ask the question, have we seen evidence of that in our own lives? Have we seen, now this, that's a hard question. Have we seen evidence of that in, in our own lives? Now I don't mean church growth. I don't mean church growth. I mean growth in our own individual spiritual lives. I'm sure some of you are of the vintage when your parents ensured that our growth wouldn't be impacted adversely. Um, we were immunized against TB, tetanus, and diphtheria. We were encouraged to take vitamin C. We were encouraged to drink plenty of whole fat milk. Hardly know where that is these days. We were encouraged to go to the, to the nurse to get this orange bottle of stuff. Do you remember drinking that orange stuff? But that was all supposed to encourage our physical growth. But I come back to this. What about this spiritual growth, which matters so much more? Which matters so much more? How, how do we ensure that we are continuing in our spiritual growth. And what does the Bible have to say about it? Well, the Bible does say a couple of things about this. For example, it says that we should have an increasing hatred of sin in our lives. There should be that increasing hatred of sin. And there should be a real desire to throw off, as it were, sin in our lives. But not only that, but there should be a real devotion to God. And as we live our lives, we should be thinking about who God is and what he has done for us. And that as it were, you know, the God's on our shoulders. God's in our hearts. God's in our hearts. 
So if we're throwing off sin and we're putting on God, as it were, then we can see spiritual growth in our lives. The Westminster Confession of Faith talks about sanctification. That's a big word for me. I don't, I don't like big words. If, I, if there's a smaller word that would do, I prefer to use it. But the Westminster Confession of Faith talks about sanctification. And this is what it says about it. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God. And we are enabled more and more to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness. That's what sanctification is. Put in colloquial terms, it just means that we want to die to sin and want to live unto God. That's what sanctification really, really is. And that's what I want to unpack with you this morning. What does that really, really look like? What signs can we identify in our lives of our sanctification? And this next slide will show you that. Here are the signs that in our lives, we are moving more and more towards God. We call it the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. And we can find those clearly in Galatians 5, 22 and 20, 23. And we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and you can see them listed there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the sorts of things that we should be able to identify in our lives and they should be growing as we live our lives for Christ. And I could take each one of those and turn and unpack those for you this morning. But it would take more than this morning to do that. What about love in our lives? Are we loving our fellow human beings? Are we loving our neighbor? What about peace? In a, do we encourage peace no matter where we go? Are we, are we patient? Are we patient? How patient are we? Are we growing in patience? What about goodness? What about goodness? These are the fruits of the Spirit. These will enable you to measure yourself in terms of your spiritual in your spiritual growth. I talked to the boys and girls earlier there about trust. About trust. And this is another measure of our spiritual growth. How much do we trust God? How much do we trust him? Now if you've got an American dollar bill at home. Or if you've got a whole lot of them. Take one out and have a look at it. And on the back of it, you'll see a little phrase. In God we trust. You see it just above the word one. In God we trust. But the question is, do you? Do we trust in God? I, I don't know about you, but um, I suppose it's maybe the nature of the job that I was doing, but... I like generally to fix things. I like generally to fix things. As I say, in, in my former occupation, I spent most of my time trying to fix things, to fix problems. And as, as I would go into schools today, that's still my focus. And I, I'm sure that in your respective roles, whether it's at work or at home, you try to fix things. I'm sure of that. It could be relationship issues. It could be financial issues. It could be work issues. It could be indeed health issues. All of which occur within your family or within your acquaintances, in your front lines, no matter where they are, and you really do want to fix those problems. You want to sort them out. We may have the intellectual ability to do it. We may have the skills to do it, 
We may have the money to get someone else to do it. We, we may even have the connections with other people to call them in and, and say, look, I'm in trouble here. Can you help me? Don't you love just to get things back to where they should be? Just to get them sorted, to make things right. You know, we love to be in control, to get things right. We love to have that self-sufficient attitude. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. What happens when we're faced with problems that just won't be fixed? No matter what money we've got, no matter what thinking we've got, no matter who we know, it just won't be fixed. What happens when something happens directly or indirectly to you and it just won't be fixed? I'm going to give you this little example, a personal example here. To demonstrate to you that that, that happens to me. About a year and a half ago, my son-in-law was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And I would say for six months, I tried to fix the problem. I tried to fix that problem. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that. But because in my workplace, people never came to say to me, John, are you doing medical? Are you doing okay? Blah, 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 blah. But there was always a problem with it and always had to be fixed. And so even with this situation, I was trying to fix the problem. I was trying to fix it. What can I do? And I mean try to fix it. But after about six months, I, I realized I couldn't fix it. And I had to rely on a faithful God that's all I had. Who promises in the Bible to look after it for me. And that he would walk with us through situations that we find ourselves in. I don't know if you ever tried to learn to swim on any occasion. I, I remember there was a local chemist. And I, did, I worked in the other chemist shop when I was a young fella. And he said, John, come on, we'll go across to Lurgan Pool and we'll teach you how to swim. Aye, we'll teach you how to swim. We just got me like that into the middle of the pool. And there, that was me being taught how to swim. And I knew I was out of my depth. And I was floundering about the case. That's sometimes what it's like when we realize that we can't fix a problem. We're in a situation and we can't, we can't fix it. But we've got a saviour. That's what I was trying to say to the boys and girls this morning. That there you had a centurion who was coming to Jesus. And he had heard all the stories about Jesus. And he had heard about Jesus' teaching. But not only did he believe in Jesus, but he trusted in him. Trusted in him so much that he said, Jesus, don't you come to my servant. He's at home. But you just say the word and he'll be made well. Absolutely amazing. You know, Jesus recognizes the reality of adversity in our life. Sometimes we glamorize the Christian life and suggest that when we come to Jesus, everything will be fine. There will be no troubles in life. It'll be a bed of roses. Why wouldn't we follow Jesus? You know, sometimes, especially in the States, we call this the prosperity gospel. But that's not what Jesus talked about. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus addresses the notion and highlights the reality. He says to his disciples, some of you are going to end up being flogged. This is what he, Jesus told his disciples. Some of you are going to be, end up being flogged 
dragged before the governors and kings. Some of you will be betrayed. Some of you will be hated. Some of you will be persecuted. Some of you will be chased from town to town. Do you remember what Paul's autobiography was? Amazing autobiography. All of these things had happened to Paul. Jesus says clearly, following me is not going to be a bed of roses. Imagine what the people hearing that thought. We thought, Jesus, you were, you were going to keep us safe. Jesus, uh, we thought you were going to rescue us from the Roman tyranny. You, uh, Jesus, we thought you were going to establish your earthly kingdom here. But then Jesus responds to that lovely, lovely, lovely thought. He speaks of two little words. And he asks the rhetorical question, of his listeners. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground without the will of your father. And the very hairs on your head are numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. God looks after the sparrows. Do you trust him? a measure of our spiritual growth how much we trust him with our lives when we get to the end of our tether when there's nothing more that we have when there's nothing in our possession that will fix it or make it different that's when we learn to trust him that's when we learn to trust him in faith faithful God and we say we say to him Lord I can't fix it I can't fix it but I believe that you are in control of it I believe Father God that you're walking through this with me and that there's no problem big enough that will cause you to fling it do you remember Naaman in the Old Testament Naaman Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 to 19. He was a great soldier. He was well known. He was renowned. He was loved. And he had battalions of soldiers underneath him. And they were fighting everywhere. And then there was the wee maid came and said, we're going to go tell Cyrus tell Cyrus that there's something in my water here and what he does he goes to bring it goes to bring it and go to him you go to him he'll help you out he'll sort you out and at the beginning Naaman was too proud but then he gave in and he washed in the river and he was cured not only did he believe but he trusted when we get to a position when we acknowledge we are at the end of our tether when we get to the end of it when we know there's nothing we have nor anything we can do that's when we learn to trust him that's when now it is a journey it is a journey but we learn to trust him when we say I can't fix it but I believe you are the the all-powerful God. You can be trusted. You have this under your control. When you say, I don't even understand what's happening in my life and in the world around me. But you know all things, God. You know all things. And I trust you. We get to the end of our tether and we learn to trust God. And that can be a painful journey said earlier we know we can rely on God's promises and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God I want to say that again we know that all things in life or death work together for good to them that love God this doesn't 
deny the reality. Some people would say, don't worry about that illness. Don't worry about this issue. No, Jesus wasn't saying that. Jesus is saying, these are real. These are real. But in the midst of this reality, you can't trust on God. Jesus recognizes that at times we do face things that are beyond us. And at these moments, we need to trust ourselves to God. The writer of Proverbs, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says this. Trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your values, with all your attitudes, with all your beliefs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. In all your ways. Submit to him and he will make straight your path. You know, time and time again, you continue to try and fix things. And time and time again, God's word reminds us, no, you can't. Trust in the Lord. Not on your own understanding. But with all of your heart. Not just a bit of your heart. Not just a bit of it. But with all of your heart. Not just with all of your ways. Not just on a Sunday ways. But in all of your ways. Give total devotion to God. Total devotion. The centurion did that. Jairus. Jairus. Remember Jairus' daughter. Jairus did that as well. So, one of the marks that we are growing in our relationship with Christ is that we will have a growing trust in God based on the experience of God's grace in our lives. We know that God is faithful. We know that we have experienced his love. We know we have and can testify to his promises and grace. More and more we grow in our confidence of who God is with what he has done, and in a God who can indeed be trusted. And so I ask you this morning, is this your experience? Paul reminds us in Romans that God has already given us his son, and in him we have every single thing that we need. Maybe not everything that we want, but everything that we need. This this is the God we can trust. When we look at the cross, we can see this. God gave his only son to death on the cross where he bore our sin and rescued us from eternal separation from God. This is the God we can trust. And he will give us what is necessary for us to continue to grow in him. Remember Jesus weeping in Gethsemane. Remember? He is faced with the greatest adversity. Within hours, he will have the sin of the world on his shoulders. And as, as he contemplates this, he cries out, Father, if it's possible, can this cup be taken from me? But not my will, but yours be done. As we journey through pain, as we journey through it, it is right to pray for relief in the midst of hardship. That's what Jesus was praying. But it is important that we trust God for the outcome. Not my will, but yours be done. So where in your life and in mine, do we need to trust God more? Where do we need to trust God more? It's important to reflect on that and to contemplate our spiritual growth. Jesus asks this morning of you, We need to remember to trust in God. 
and that he is indeed an omnipotent God and that he is still on the throne. And he asks this morning, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Let us pray together. Father God, we come to you now and we recognize that we fall short in so many ways. But Heavenly Father, we, we do believe in you. And we want to trust more and more in you. And we ask this morning that we would obey you more and more. And because of who you are and what you have said in your word, we know that you care for us and have concerns for us. And as we bring our prayers this morning to you, we know that you are a listening God. You are not remote from us, but you are interested in us as individuals. And so we come with specific circumstances this morning. And we know that in our own lives and in the lives of those around us, there are some who are sick. And Father God, there are some who are sad and there are some who have lost the love that they originally had. Some have aches and some have pains. And some continue to share so many fears. It's for those people we pray this morning. We bring them before your throne of grace. And just at this moment, we name them before you. Father God, we ask this morning that in each person's respective situation, that they would be drawn closer to you, experiencing your love and your compassion. And may they hear your beckoning words, come unto me, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Lord, we recognize this morning that across our world there is great unrest, a world divided by war and injustice, a world divided by inhumanity. Lord, we pray for peace in many troubled parts of the world. Many areas that we have forgotten to pray for. So we pray for Myanmar, that, that old state that once was called Burma. We pray for North Korea. pray for Afghanistan and of course we bring before you this morning the situation in Ukraine there are many people there in these countries who are suffering there are many Christians in these countries who are suffering Lord we pray for blessing upon these people and pray for the organizations who are there helping these people in their pain. Lord, we pray for governments in these countries that they might do everything within their power to bring a swift and peaceful outcome for the people. Lord, we pray for our own country at this time. We pray for King Charles. We ask, Lord, as that line says, God, save the king. Lord, we pray for our prime minister, Truss, and for her government. 
and as the situation unfolds here in our own country with regards to the cost of living and the hardship that that undoubtedly is bringing to people. We pray, Lord, that you would give her wisdom and discernment to make just decisions of her own. And finally, Lord, we pray for ourselves, asking for your continued help and support. Help us to represent you well in our various front lines, taking every opportunity to demonstrate the love of Christ in every situation. Help us, Lord, to grow more and more like you and to trust you more and more. For it's in Christ's name we pray. final hymn this morning uh, is when we walk with the Lord that stand us.
let's have our final prayer together as we start. Father God, we thank you for this congregation here in Rough Island. We ask your blessing upon it and upon Colin Harris as he continues to minister here. We pray for the elders of this congregation and ask that you will bless them as they continue to search for your appointed person. Just be with them at this time. And as we pray for them, we pray for Andrew and Emma and Archie down in First Dromore. And we pray for this little family as uh, they grow together uh, and as they grow in you. Bless Archie and Grant that he will grow in favor with God and with men. And so may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all evermore. Amen.